Good morning and welcome to Franklin Community Church in Floods of Justice. Today we're continuing the series with Admonish One Another. Don't go anywhere or I will admonish you for skipping church. We'll be right back. If you have your Bibles, open them to Amos chapter 5. And I want to read verse 24 where the prophet Amos says, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, justice. Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Led by Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs, affectionately known as Pastor Kevin or Rev Kev, he is the senior pastor of Franklin Community Church and founder of Franklin Community Development in Franklin, Tennessee. He is also a published author, teacher, professor, activist, abolitionist, husband, father, grandfather, scuba diver, and coffee connoisseur, which is why this podcast is brought to you from the coffee house at Second and Bridge in downtown Franklin. Let's begin the conversation. Welcome back. We're glad you're joining us this morning. Um, I, I am curiously looking forward to the, to the sermon today, <laughs> trepidatiously, um, but uh, it's, it's a good one. How, how have you been preparing for this? It's been a good week. Yeah. Uh, nothing, nothing over the top happened, um, and uh, I, we'll talk about it a little bit again yeah. about how you're tested at whatever topic you're talking sure. about, but, but that didn't seem to be the case this week. Um, so uh, all, all in all, just a uh, just a calm week. How about your week? Uh, chaos, chaos of a week, um, but not necessarily related to this. <laughs> it's yeah. just just but kind the, of but the whole series general. as a as a whole has been extremely relevant at all times, every day. Like any one of the one another statements we've covered so far has been yeah. like, all right, why don't you work on these two today, and then why don't you <laughs> do these two tomorrow, and now we're back. Yeah, yeah, it was the same way, but uh, overall not a bad week. I'm tired of the rain. Uh, I look at the forecast, and it's got rain every day, and, and I'm like, oh, come on. I'm ready just for some good sunshine, hot weather where people start complaining about how hot it is. Yes, can we That's complain about something new, please? Yes. It's the same thing over and over. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Well, before we get started today, uh, we have um, a couple videos we want to show. Um, one, we had a, a big event at our church last uh, last Tuesday. Katie Shepard had her last in-hospital chemotherapy treatment, and uh, she's got she had one or two more at home to do, but she doesn't have to go back to the hospital for that anymore. And so, we threw a big parade uh, for her uh, when she came home from the hospital. The street was lined with with lots of people with banners and balloons and cheering her on, and, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but the video we want to show is at the hospital itself, Vanderbilt um, University Medical Children Medical Center, uh, the Children's Hospital where she was going for her treatments. And since it was her last treatment, the nurses got around and uh, kind of encouraged her and, and sang a song. And, and you see Katie, she's just smiling really big. So it's, it's, a, it's a really, really good video. It's not very long, but you kind of get a sense of, uh, of what happened uh, there. And then she came home, and then we, we uh, uh, tried to make a big day out of it. And then uh, Eric Boucher, one of our elders, is going to give a greeting and prayer. And then uh, after that prayer, uh, Ella will lead us in a time of worship. And, uh, and then we'll be back. So, uh, so just a few videos, and then uh, we'll come back to the lesson. Thank you. 
FCC family. Welcome into another Sunday service through YouTube. We hope that you all are doing well. The Boucher family, we're doing good. So we just pray for you to be all healthy and safe as well. And so I do miss meeting with you all uh, each Sunday. Uh, I've enjoyed the videos and uh, the time uh, of, of lessons through the through YouTube. But it's just not the same as meeting with you all. And so uh, we pray that uh, we'll be able to get back together to, again soon. And uh, I hope that you've taken some time during this to reflect on uh, your family, to slow down a little bit and, and enjoy time together and um, what God's blessings have been for you. And so we just pray that, uh, that you've done that. And uh, just keep us in prayer. We'll keep praying for you through this. And I do want to uh, offer prayer for today's service. So join me now. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come to you today and we just uh, want to thank you for just the opportunity to gather, um, even through video. Father, we just uh, are thankful for this. And so we just uh, pray that you would bless this time, uh, that you would speak to our hearts, Father, and that you would uh, just um, help us to um, uh, understand each other better through this, Father. And so we just pray for that. And Father, we do want to remember those in our uh, church family who um, um, who maybe are, are experiencing hard times because of the uh, situation, uh, the, the virus, uh, maybe economically or otherwise. Father, we just pray for that, that you would just um, reach out to those, uh, even across our nation, Father. There's so many people that are, that are uh, hurting and, um, and are, are worried about things. So we just pray that you would just provide peace and comfort to them, Father, and that you would just be able to meet their needs. And so we give this to you and allow for you to be glorified through all of this, Father. And that's ultimately our goal, is just to glorify your name. And so we just give you this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed the time of worship there. And uh, we are ready to dive into today's discussion and sermon. Yeah, I think we are. You th are you ready? <laughs> I think so. I, I think so. Um, it's admonish one another is, is, uh, is, is, of course, the one another that we're looking at today. And uh, the key passage is in Colossians, Colossians 3, 16. But, uh, at, you know, after last Sunday's the serve one another one and the Sunday before that forgive one another um, last Sunday after our zoom meeting which don't forget our zoom meeting today at three o'clock uh, and we're going to do communion at the zoom meeting so uh, make sure you tune in for that uh, but anyway last Sunday after our our zoom call uh, Misty and I went for a walk it was in between rains <laughs> so uh, we went for a walk and as we were walking uh, we were just kind of talking about that topic for the day um, you know, serve one another. I have, um, in a regular outline, um, you know, I was taught in homiletics, which is the course you take in college to learn how to preach, um, that, uh, you know, every sermon needs to be summarized in one sentence. And so a lot of my sermons, not necessarily with the one another one, because these are more lessons, but in a lot of my sermons, at the very top of my notes, I'll have what that one sentence is, and I'll put that one sentence in the sermon periodically. And for a long time, after church on Sundays, I would ask Misty, did you know what, did you hear the one sentence? You know, I put her on the spot. You know, what was the one sentence? Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, but we weren't doing that. We were just talking about the sermon. And, um, <clears throat> and then I mentioned that next Sunday's, uh, is, which is today now, but next Sunday's is admonish one another. And uh, Misty immediately replied, oh, great. I wonder what's going to happen this week. Um, you know, well, are we going to be tested now? Is somebody going to admonish us or are we going to be? Uh, are we are we going to be in a situation where we have to admonish one another? Because it just seems like that God always has a way of testing me uh, on whatever it is that we're talking about, whatever topic I'm preparing a sermon for. It seems like there's this, there's you know, there's a way of testing me in it, you know, which brings me back to the when you point your finger at one person, you got you got four uh, pointing back. But all in all, that nothing really like that happened this week. I really wasn't, I don't think, tested in that area so much. Uh, but I will be honest, like when we did the, the sermon or the lesson on forgive one another, you know, I wasn't really looking forward to that. Well, this is another one that I really wasn't looking forward to. I mean, it's, it's fun to talk about encourage one another or serve one another or love one another. Uh, those are all fun. But now it's like, okay, I got to forgive people? What? And not just forgive them, but forgive them the way Jesus did? And now this whole idea of admonishing each other um, just <laughs> makes people uncomfortable to think that... Uh, uh, that somebody who somebody's going to come up to me and point out a wrong or point out a fault uh, or or point out something in my life or I'm in a situation where I got to go confront somebody because of something they've done in their life that uh, that is not good and 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 want to try to warn them or try to help them and it never it never goes the way you think you can build up scenarios in your mind about how this person's just going to immediately humble themselves and everything's going to be great and it never goes that way and so and so this idea of admonishing one another, either giving the admonishment or receiving the admonishment, um, makes, makes a lot of people nervous. And uh, I don't know, do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, early on I was very much a, uh, well, I, I say a peacemaker, but my definition of peacemaker has changed now. But I, I didn't like conflict. And so that was something I would do anything at all costs to avoid the conflict, to smooth things over. Uh, in, in my old age now, it's a little bit different, and, and conflict has just become 
necessary and, and part of life. So I'm not as. It's not you just don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Part of it is too. You get to an age where you're like, oh, I don't have time. I'm not as worried as about people liking me as much. Yeah. But you know, it's still a difficult topic. Like this, this sermon series. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in today's and, and people's feedback and comments because it's, it's not an easy topic. But no, it's not. Especially it's the last, especially the last point. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you've seen the last. Yeah, point. yeah. I so know. You know where we're going. I know. And uh, yeah, that last point is is going to be tough. So we're just. Uh, you know, if you're happy with the sermon after the first three points, you may want to cut it off. You may not want to hear uh, hear the last one because it, it's a little rough. Uh, but it's in the Bible, and so we have to um, we have to talk about it. Now, sometimes I think part of the reason is we don't really understand what the term admonishment is. We automatically equate admonishing with um, confrontation, and there's an element of confrontation to it, obviously. Uh, but it's not. Um, it's, it's you know the biblical idea of admonishment is not. I think what we usually think of as uh, conflict uh, and, and admonishment. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, the word itself, the English word admonish, comes from uh, a Latin word uh, that means to urge by warning. And so, you know, and the idea is to urge somebody to stop what they're doing because the road they're headed down is going to be bad. And so you urge somebody to correct themselves uh, by warning them. And so the word then carries the idea of reprimanding but it also carries the idea of correcting or instructing. And I think that's sometimes what we forget. We, we see the reprimand without, and we reprimand, but we don't offer ways to correct uh, and then, uh, you know, instruct how to do things differently. And, um, you know, I had a, uh, an example, um, a, dear, a dear saint in our church uh, years ago, um, somebody came into the church that hadn't been there for a while. And um, and this lady watched what happened, and this lady uh, retired as a bank vice president, so she was very much a people person and, know, and knew how to, uh, you know, get along with people and PR and all that. And so I was joking around with the person when they came in and said, hey, man, long time no see, you know. And they, they laughed, and we shook hands and hugged, and they walked away, and this lady came up to me in a very loving, gentle way, said, said Pastor, can I make a suggestion? I said, what? Instead of telling somebody it, you haven't seen them in a long time, just say, it is so good to see you today. You know, and so that was an admonishment, yeah. but there was a corrective nature to it. You know, uh, this, this might be a better way to do that. And, and I've never forgotten that. I, I try not to ever say in church, long time no see to somebody who hasn't been there for a while. But I try to say, man, it's so good to see you today. And um, based on this woman's um, admonishment. And I knew it came from a good place. This, this lady was a dear, dear friend uh, and all of that. And so to admonish means, yeah, you got to reprimand, but there's this idea of, um, of instruction. And so if anything, it's discipline, not punishment. You know, and that's the difference between discipline and, and punishment. So to admonish does not mean to simply rebuke somebody, but it means to correct and then teach and then offer a better way forward or uh, a better path to follow uh, is the idea. And uh, coming up on your screen are going to be some verses from Proverbs that just really, really speak to what uh, admonishing should look like, at least from the biblical perspective. And I love these verses. And, and I've got them from different translations. And so you'll see um, on the screen, and I'll tell you what those translations are, but just different translations. Uh, but Proverbs 19.20 from the NCV, which is the New Contemporary Version, says this, listen to advice and accept correction 
and in the end you will be wise. So, you know, accept correction. Proverbs 26, or 27.6, again from the uh, New Contemporary Version says, the slap of a friend can be trusted to help you. I like that. Yeah, and I like the way it says that. The NIV says the wounds of a friend. And uh, then you've got to explain what they mean by that. But you don't have to explain what a slap by a friend means, you know. We need that Batman and Robin <laughs> meme. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, snap out of it. Yeah. What, what are you doing? So I, so I think that really captures the idea. So he says, a slap of a friend can be trusted to help you, but the kisses of an enemy are nothing but lies. And then um, Proverbs 27, 9, and this is from the New Living Translation, NLT, says, the heartfelt counsel of a friend is sweet as perfume and incense. Now, it may not seem like it at the time, but yet if you listen and you know they're a friend and they want to help you, then it's like, man, that was good advice. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, that changed the direction that I was going in. And so it becomes sweet. And then Proverbs 27, 17, which is one probably all of us have heard at one time or another, and this is from the New International Version, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so, you know, we have disagreements, but if we love each other and we're willing to admonish and listen to admonishment, uh, then in the long run, we're better people. And that's kind of another goal of um, admonishing is that both people become better uh, because of the uh, because of the admonishment. And so that's kind of an idea of what this what the Bible means by admonishing. But here's just another important note uh, before we move forward, and that is this. This type of admonishment that makes a person better, that has not only this reprimand, but also this uh, teaching instruction to it, that type of admonishment can only happen in community. It, it really can, because it, it has to be steeped out of a relationship. And this puts us all the way back to the very first week in this series when we talked about community and the Greek word koinonia, where, you know what, we have, this, we have something shared. We have this shared relationship with Christ. So we are brothers and sisters. And out of that community, living life together, uh, and you know the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, over time, that this community develops. So then, if this person like that lady comes to me because I've known her a long time and I knew what she was trying to do, it was like, yeah. Now, if some stranger would have heard that and come up to me, I'd be like, well, what? What are you? What are you saying? You know, what? What right do you have? Uh, to I don't even know who you are, and you're coming up to me and saying this. But out of that community, this admonishment came, and, um, and it was accepted. And so that, that's really a key that I don't want to just, just pass by without mentioning, that when the Bible talks about admonishing one another, it is really talking about something that comes out of a deep fellowship with people who you have lived life together with. Uh, and so that idea of, of community. Um, <clears throat> you know, when I was growing up, in a very conservative church, there was a tradition um, that would happen every once in a while, <clears throat> and I've heard of it happening a lot in other churches. And, uh, and this is not a good thing because it's not admonishment. But the idea was if somebody in the church was caught in a sin, then they had to go before the whole church and confess it, you know. Um, and, uh, and instead of admonishing, that was shame and humiliation. And, you know, now I know a church leader may have a different thing to do than, but it was just, could just be a regular church member. Yeah. And then before they were brought back into right fellowship, they had to confess it in front of the whole church. There was a situation in another church I pastored where um, two young people um, in the youth group had started dating and, um, and got pregnant. Um, and, um, 
the, the leaders in the church were like, they got to go before the whole church. And this was a large church. You know, they got to go before the whole church and confess this. And I'm like, no. Most of the people in the church don't even know who they are. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so we kind of went round and round a little bit. And the compromise was, look, just let them come to us, the leaders of the church and the, the deacons, and just let them, and let's pray for them, let's love on them, and let's encourage them. Uh, but, but let's just keep it between us. There's no need for this. All you're going to do is humiliate and isolate. There's not going to be any instruction just to make them get up in front of the whole church and do that. And so that's what happened. And, and uh, both of those uh, people are now adults. They didn't marry each other, but, but they're both married and they're doing really, really well. Um, and, uh, and they moved on with their life. And, you know, and there's been healing uh, that has happened. And um, unfortunately, the way we even found out about it was um, the, the girl had a miscarriage. Um, and that's how it, the word even came out that, that, this, that this was going on. And so it's like, this is enough humiliation. So keeping on top of that. On loss. top of all of that, you know. But yet there were people in the church who thought that the right thing to do was to, was to go up front and do that on a Sunday morning and just humiliate them, you know, instead of admonishing them. And so well, it's I have a, a friend who was literally stoned. Hmm? 20 years or 30 years ago, stoned by oh. her congregation. Like real stones? Real stones. They gathered and threw rocks at her to get her to leave. And obviously she doesn't attend church now. Yeah. You wonder why. You yeah, know, just when turned away so from God completely. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so, and, so, and so I guess the point of both those illustrations is don't forget that this idea of admonishment in the Bible means to give instruction and to, and to help the other person as well as the person giving the admonishment uh, to, to um, make them closer to Christ and closer to each other uh, through the admonishment. And so that makes it extremely difficult, but that's just, I think, what the Bible is talking about. And, and so then not only then can admonishment only take place in true community, um, it also takes trust to admonish someone or to receive admonishment from them. And so, you know, if I trust you, I know you've been there for me and you, and you have something that you have to say to me that you see in my life or something you want to admonish me, I'm going to take that a whole lot different, you know, uh, than uh, I, <laughs> I could tell you a bunch of stories where uh, people uh, will come to church for the very first time, you know. And so we don't even know them. They don't know me. And I'll say something in my sermon they don't like. And they want to admonish me that Sunday about what I said. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm, I'm listening. But in my mind, I'm going, who are you? You know, uh, I would never have that much gall to go up to somebody who I just met and <laughs> and uh, get on to them about something. Now, if it was you or if it was one of the elders or if it was, you know, somebody who I knew, uh, and you know, they came and said, hey, you know, hey, can we talk uh, something that, that was said that, you know, uh, and then we sit and we work it out. That's a whole different subject it's because it takes trust to, to really hear. Uh, that type of uh, that type of admonishment, and so trust and community are important when you think about the idea of biblical uh, admonition. And so, you know, what, what I mean by that, I guess, is that not everyone has the right or or the relationship to admonish you, uh, but neither do you have the right nor the relationship to admonish everybody around you. It has to come out of this community, out of this relationship, and out of this deep sense of trust. I think for admonishing. Uh, to really be effective, uh, I guess is what I'm getting at. And so our key verse for this is from Paul in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, 
where Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. Now, what is immediately interesting about that verse is we look at admonishment as being a negative. But Paul's entire letter to the Colossians is extremely encouraging and uplifting. He has to deal with a situation in the church, a heresy that's going on. But the whole letter is, has this upbeat nature to it. You know? and, so, and so this phrase, admonish one another, um, is surrounded by, these, by this uplifting positive message. For example, if you've got your Bibles open uh, to Colossians chapter 3, if you look at verse 15, uh, Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And then he goes on to say, and be thankful. And so, you know, let God's peace rule in you and be thankful. And then he says in verse 16, which is what we read, but he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So you can see he's following an outline. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then after he said, tells us to admonish one another, he talks about songs and hymns, and then he says, with gratitude. And so there's this uplifting nature to it. And then look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so this idea of admonishing one another is couched in this incredibly uplifting uh, passage of Scripture. Um, and, but then also notice that back in verse 16, that that phrase, admonish one another, is sandwiched between teaching and wisdom. And so he says, teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And so that really tells you all you need to know about what the Bible means by admonition. There's this teaching component to it, and then, it should, and then, it, and then there's this wisdom component to it. So let's teach, admonish, but with wisdom. Uh, and so it's more than just beating somebody over the head uh, ab ab about something. And so admonishing is not about blame or shame or humiliation or judgment or condemnation or manipulation or whatever you want to say. Biblical admonition is about instructing, teaching, making a person wiser, encouraging, and, in and affirming uh, the other person. And so it's not just about pointing out what's wrong but also pointing out steps to make it right and to be a better person. But then also notice in verse 16, uh, after he says, teaching, teach with admonishing one another, with wisdom, he says, sing, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, that, that's corporate worship. You know. So once again, true admonishment cannot take place without true community. And it's inter interesting to me that we have this idea of what it means to admonish, but Paul puts it right in the middle of, uh, of an uplifting passage of Scripture um, and says, you know, it's about teaching and it's about wisdom. And so it, 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 he just tells us that. But let's back up just a little bit before we look at applications and talk about uh, this letter to the Colossians. Because, again, he says to teach and admonish there's a reason why he says that, you know, you have to look at it in context. And so one interesting aspect of Paul's letter to the Colossians was that Paul did not start the church uh, in the city of Colossae. And neither had he ever even been to the city. 
you know. And so uh, we see this in, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, Paul says, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea, another city, and for all who have not met me personally. You know, I've never been there. I've never been there. But I am struggling uh, with, uh, uh, with, with what you're going through. Uh, the best we can tell based on this letter and in church history is that the leader of the church was a guy by the name of Epaphras. He may not have been the pastor, but he was the leader of the church. And Epaphras was converted to Christ during Paul's two-year uh, ministry in Ephesus. And so Paul knew, Paul knew Epaphras, and, and he had converted him to Christ, and then he went back to or moved to, uh, to the city of Colossae and started this church. And so Paul didn't start it, and he had never visited uh, the church. Uh, but, but still, Paul's letter to them is very personal and encouraging. Last week when we looked at um, serving one another, the letter uh, that that comes out of was kind of harsh. You know, if you can remember, but this one is very personal and it's very encouraging, even though he has to deal with a serious false false teaching that was infecting uh, the church. Uh, and so you kind of get a glimpse of that. It, this in Colossians chapter two, um, I read verse one where he says, you know, I, I, won't, I don't know you personally. But then he says in verse two, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. So he's saying, look, this is why I'm writing you. I'm not wanting to get on to you. I'm, I'm wanting to encourage you um, and, um, and help you stay united because this teaching was starting to divide the church. Um, and he says, so that they may be full of the riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, and that's key to what the heresy is, you know, this mystery of God through Christ, um, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And part of the heresy was this secret wisdom, this secret knowledge. And, and Paul is saying, no, that comes from Christ. Not Christ got it, but Christ is that secret, that, that knowledge. And you, the closer you get to Christ, then the, the, the more you know, basically. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. You know, the thing about heresy uh, and false teachings is that they sound so good, you know, and but yet they can be uh, deceptive. And so the false teaching that was infesting the church um, in Colossae, and Paul dealt with this in other churches as well, um, is known as Gnosticism. That's a big word. It's a Greek word. Uh, it comes from the Greek word Gnostic, which just means knowledge. And uh, basically, Gnosticism was a teaching that emphasized that the way to the divine, the way to go to get to God, uh, the way to the divine was through a higher or secret knowledge. You know, and you just, you got to meditate, you got to think about it more, and somehow or another, just through revelation, you know, and so if you're divine, it's because you've got this secret knowledge that nobody else knows, uh, is, is kind of the idea. Uh, and at the core of this teaching um, of Gnosticism, at the core of that teaching was, was this. Jesus was not God become man. So the incarnation, you know, it wasn't Jesus has always been God and he took on the form of, of a human. Rather, what Gnosticism taught was that Jesus was a purely human person who became God uh, through his higher secret knowledge. You know, so it wasn't God become man, but it was man through this secret knowledge becomes God. Um, and so likewise then, we can become like Christ, or we can become like God through obtaining some type of higher secret knowledge. You know. 
Um, and so this, the heresy was the denial of the deity of Christ. The heresy was teaching that Jesus was not God became man. Rather, he was a man who became God through this secret knowledge. Now, Gnosticism is similar to at least some of the teachings uh, of Buddhism, and it's very similar to what uh, people sometimes refer to as New Age. You know, just the, you just got this knowledge. You just got to you know, become one with the universe, uh, and that's through this secret knowledge. Uh, and so the heresy is still alive today, you know. Uh, and so Paul's letter, he writes to the Colossians defending the deity of Christ. And the key verse in Colossians is chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, uh, where he says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So you, so you see that's the direct opposite of what Gnosticism taught. Christ was God become man. So in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is head over all power and authority. And so basically, the, the, the teaching was, look, um, just like Jesus was a man who became God, you, can, you as a man or a woman can become God through this secret knowledge. And Paul is saying, no, Jesus was always God. The fullness of God dwells in him. And then he says, and the fullness of Christ dwells in you. So you've already got what you need to overcome all power and authority. Um, and so that this is the this is where he's coming from. And so he talks about that in the first couple of chapters, and then beginning in chapter three, he starts to apply that. Now, what does that mean for us? And and what he's saying is because Jesus is God, we now have power and authority to live a life that is pleasing to God. We can we can do all things. So whatever it is you do, in word or deed, do all to the glory of Christ. Um, Christ is the fullness of God, and we have been given the fullness of Christ, so we don't need this secret knowledge. Uh, and in the middle of that practical application, Paul gently reminds people, uh, admonish one another. You, know, you see somebody head down the wrong road in context of, of a belief that's not correct, admonish them, but teach them with wisdom. Uh, but what does that look like? You know, what should the outcome be when we admonish each other? I mean, why are we, the, you know, what's the goal? If I admonish you or you admonish me from a biblical perspective, what's the goal? We know it's not just to re reprimand. Yeah. So what is the goal? What should happen <clears throat> as we admonish one another? And so there's four applications today. Um, four, and I've just called them the goals of admonishment. But remember, the purpose of admonishment is to correct and to teach, offering a better way forward, uh, a better way forward, and a better path to follow. Now, that's the one sentence. So, you know, okay. if I watch the one sentence. Underline. <laughs> this, this is the that's the one sentence. Everything else comes out Say of it again. <laughs> out of that. The purpose of admonishment is to correct and teach, offering a better way forward and a better path to follow. Sure. You know. Um, and so everything kind of is going to back the applications kind of back up that key that that key thought. Well, it sounds like in the context of, of what Paul's saying here about the fight against Gnosticism, um, which truthfully in, in America, it's kind of a similar fight against Gnosticism in that we're very individualized. It's the personal relationship mm -hmm. with God versus the communal relationship with God. So you know, I don't know if but m moving into these four points in the context of. How are we moving as a community all together? 
each one of these four seems like that should be propelling that motive of how as a church family as a community yeah. are we using yeah and you could say i mean i think there's some applications for personal admonishment you know as far as a person's you know their 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 um you know they're caught in immorality or they're caught and we want to admonish them but really in the context of what paul is saying it's all about what what are you believing yeah but what you're believing is not true well and the reason to pull you them know. out of whatever is so that as a group yeah. we're all moving we're all moving closer. we're all on the same page so yeah. to speak so, so if someone's tripping up yeah pick them up you yeah. got to get that lost sheep yeah you got to yeah you leave the 99 to go get the one right you know yeah very very good and so so keep that in mind but also um just for sake of brevity so that the one another series doesn't last forever um, these four applications are also one another statements you know so we're admonish each other and what does that look like what's the goal well there's some other things paul says we should be doing for one another that i think kind of fall underneath this is what it means to admonish one another okay so what does that look like what's the goal of admonishment first is to speak the truth in love speak the truth in love you know, there's an old saying, um, and I'm sure you've heard it, that says, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all, right? You know, growing up, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Uh, well, sometimes admonishment means saying something that's not good, you know. Um, so as a follower of Jesus, to that, we need to add this. If it needs to be said, but you can't say it in love, then don't say it at all. You know, so if you can't admonish somebody in love, don't, so you got to check your motive. Yeah. You know, is it to get even? Is it to make the other person look bad and yourself better? Uh, why are you Why are you wanting to go and say this to that person? If If it's the truth, and you can't say it in love, then keep your mouth shut. You know, because we are to speak the truth in love. Uh, and so, in his letter to the church in Ephesus, also written from prison, which Colossians was written from prison, Paul is writing to a church that is struggling with unity. And the people are arguing with each other. And what's interesting in the letter into, to the Ephesians, Paul doesn't tell them who is right and who is wrong. You know, Rather, in Ephesians, he simply says, keep the unity of the Spirit, so keep united through the bond of peace, and speak the truth in love to one another. Yeah. You know, so even in the middle of a disagreement, you speak in love. And you speak the truth. You should never speak a lie. But even when you speak the truth, you know, and, and really without love, you can tell the truth in a way that misleads. You know, I mean, I could tell you a story about one time where this guy in a mask, for no reason, slapped me. Now, he was a doctor when I was born. You know. Right. And so, I mean, that's <gasps> the truth, right? A guy in a mask comes up and slaps you. Yeah. But so I told you the truth. Convenient detail. But I told it in such a way, left out a key detail here or there, so that it misleads the person. Well, that's not love. So you speak the truth in love. And so admonishment is not about winning an argument. Rather, admonishment is about making all involved better people and more like Christ. And, and uh, thus, speak it in love or be quiet. You know, that, that's really the options that we have. Yeah. The only thing I would almost insert is, is the, if you can't say anything nice, or you can't say if you can't say it with love, don't say it at all until you can, because mm -hmm. it's like the it may need to be said what you're saying, 
but I think there's a lesson to be learned in the moment of, okay, then why can't you say it in love? Like, search yourself. Yeah. Like, what's God trying to reveal? Yeah. You're all in a fizzy here. Get right with, with whatever God's trying to show you, and then in a, at a better place, at a better time. So, you know, it's that whole don't lash out in anger like, let's yeah. go get them, get the pitchforks. Yeah. Like, no, calm down. Put the pitchfork down. Let's just chill out. Figure out what you're really feeling, and then and calmly then, go and, and calmly go and talk. Yeah, yeah, back in the day before computers, it was you know write a letter where you say everything you want to say, and then tear throw it up, throw it away. Yeah. Now it would be go ahead and write that email where you let that person have it, right? But then delete that email and write another one. You know, so get that get those emotions out of the way. You, you're not ready to speak it in love yet, so get those emotions out of the yeah. way. So come back at a letter day when you can. Well, that brings another it. good point. Is don't ever do it, at least personal experience, don't ever do it through email or text because it will always be taken wrong. So if you or can Facebook. sit there, yeah, or Facebook, <laughs> if you can sit there face to face, which is probably where you need to have these conversations and you can do it uh, calmly and productively, I think that's the best way to do it. But yeah. I've just had dumpster fires from <laughs> conversations that happen on Facebook or text or email. It's like, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And again, if you think about it coming out of relationship, then, I mean, if you can't sit down with the person and talk about it, then you didn't really have a relationship with them. Yeah. You know, but if you have a true friend relationship, then you can talk about it. And in that talk, emotions may go all over the place, um, but you're going to sit there and you're going to talk until things are somewhat resolved yeah. uh, from that. So speak the truth in love. Uh, a second goal of admonishment would be that through this admonishment, we're to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You know. um, and so, you know, I have been admonished by people in the past um, who, you know, by the time they got done admonishing me, I just want to quit. I don't want to, I, I, I can't do anything right. I would only argue that they weren't admonished. <laughs> they weren't doing it in the proper context of what you're talking well, about may, here. Maybe. They were just complaining yeah, and being but, mean. Um, <laughs> I was in my early 20s. Um, and uh, was at a church preaching. I don't even remember where it was. And, uh, you know, I thought I did a pretty good job. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, there were some other guys. We were together, and we went out to eat. And one of the other guys, who's a little older than me, basically, based on my sermon, said I should not go into ministry, <laughs> you know, uh, based, based on that sermon. And, uh, and so it's like, yeah, well, that's not admonishment because it's like, okay, you know, what, you're not spurring me on toward love no, and good deeds. Exactly. You know, uh, you weren't saying maybe, you know, hey, instead of being a, a pastor, maybe you should be a teacher or maybe you should, you know, it, but it was just like, you know, you just, you need to stop before you get too far into this, you know. And uh, <laughs> I hope you saved that sermon. Huh? I hope you saved that sermon. I don't know. Like I said, if I was in college, <laughs> you're, you're talking probably, man, 1987. 80, <laughs> a long time ago. Um, but, you know, so that's the idea. You know, okay, I'm going to, I need to, I need to have a conversation with you because of some things that I see. Um, and, and it's not going to be an easy conversation, but at the end of the day, can I say it in such a way that I'm speaking the truth in love and that this is going to encourage you to keep doing good? Or is it just going to completely deflate you uh, where you want to, you know, you want to throw in the towel? Um, and so with criticism should also come encouragement and help to do something better and to, and to be someone better. Um, you know, again, it's not enough to simply tell somebody that they're wrong. Uh, the goal should be reconciliation. 
The goal should be to encourage people to become better people. Uh, the goal is to help people grow in their faith and in the image of Christ. You know, that that's the goal. And I'm sitting here thinking, because I, I, I hadn't planned on telling that story, but I'm thinking, okay, how many times over the course of 30-plus years have people told me to get out of ministry? <laughs> you know, maybe they're right. No, I think I'm on <laughs> something here. You know, because, you know, but it's always, it's not admonishment when that, you yeah. know, when that happens. Where early on in, um, <clears throat> in preaching, um, other people would take me under their wing and, and say, man, that was a really good sermon. Here is the points that were really, really good. But you know what, Kevin, this thing right here that you said, that really had nothing to do with anything. You'd have been better off leaving that out, you know, and those kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, you've admonished me, but you've also. So you did receive comments like that? Oh, yeah. And from okay. people who loved me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. People who loved me. Like, man, look, you know, that, that was an excellent sermon. You know, uh, my first sermon was when I was 15 years old. I tell people that I'm, I think I've gotten worse over the years because when you're 15 and you <laughs> preach a great. sermon, everybody thinks it's the best thing yeah. they've ever heard. No, no, it's preached perfect. Yeah, now all of a sudden you're in your 40s and you're preaching, and it's like, man, I've gotten worse. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have, you know, because nobody's going to criticize a 15-year-old. Yeah. You know, just the courage to get up and preach a sermon. Man, that's great. Keep going, keep going. Uh, but, yeah, but anyway, this, I, this admonishment should spur us on uh, to do things uh, better uh, than what we're doing. And here's the verse, um, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You know, so I don't want, if I see something good going on, I don't want to stop that. You know, maybe an illustration of that would be I talked to a reporter early on during this pandemic. Uh, and she was, asked, she was trying to bait me with questions about, you know, these churches that are meeting or they're doing, um, you know, um, drive-in services and and they're doing all these things, and, you know, we're doing what we do. And I, I told her, look, I said, I think during this time that really we should extend a lot of grace to each other, you know, because nobody really knows what they're doing. <laughs> We've never been through this before. And so instead of criticizing another church for how they're trying to handle the pandemic, let's just all encourage each other, you know, and, and, uh, and keep Keep doing good even in the middle of this because that's what I want. I want people to extend to me the grace because I don't have a clue what I'm doing during this time either. You know, and so and so instead of being discouraging through our admonition, we should be encouraging people um, to uh, uh, continue doing good. Let's spur. I like the idea of spur. We talked about that in one of the other weeks. I don't know if this is the word, but when I think of spur, I think of a cowboy, you know, hitting the horse. Yeah. So just keep going, keep going. And so this admonishment as a spur, it's going to hurt. You know, but it's a kick in the ribs to try to get you to keep moving forward, not to get you to stop, you know, uh, altogether. I don't, I'm, I don't ride a lot of horses, but I don't think you ever spur a horse to get them to stop. Yeah. You know, it's to get them to go, to yeah. get them to keep, you know, they're being stubborn. So you want them to keep going uh, from that. So spur one another on to good deeds is, is important. So we speak the truth in love. We, and as we spur one another on, then the third thing, the third goal is that we build each other up. You know, we build each other up. Again, the goal of ad admonition is not to win an argument or to prove yourself to be superior. The goal is that both the person being admonished and the person receiving the admonishment become more like Christ. The goal is that we are moving forward, um, you know, together. Uh, the goal, even the goal of church discipline should be to keep people in the fellowship, not 
you know, not get them out, not kick them out of the fellowship. But it, it should always be uh, to build each other up. First Colossians chapter 5, verse 11, and we looked at this in one of the earlier weeks. Therefore, encourage one another. So we looked at it then. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. And then I love what Paul says at the end of that, just as, in fact, you are doing. So Paul is like saying, you're already doing this, church, but keep it up. Encourage one another and build each other up. So through admonition, uh, we strive to speak the truth in love, spur one another on to, to good deeds, and build each other up. We, we are called to build each other up, not tear one another down. And so I have to think about it, okay? If, if I think I have to admonish someone, how can I say it in such a way that really is going to encourage them? Not, and to go back to that first illustration with, with the, the lady in my church, I mean, really her words were a word of encouragement. Yeah. You know, even though it was, <clears throat> you should not have done this. This is the way you, you should have done it. <laughs> that same lady, uh, one time at church, we, we, were, we had this idea to wear name tags so we could all get to know each other. And, uh, you know, most people, when they put a name tag on, what side, what side of the shirt do they put it on? Yeah, I guess. Right? It's usually yeah. here, like the left, the left side. Right? right? And she told me, because she was a public relations person. Yeah. I had mine on the left side, and she came up yeah. to me, and she said, can I make a suggestion? That was always, so I knew. And she said, can I make a suggestion? You yeah. know? Uh, I, I said, yeah. And she said, your name tag should go on the other side. Because yeah. when you shake hands with people, you automatically look to that side. And, and so ever since then, I, <laughs> I say, so glad to see you. And I put my name tag on, yeah. on the right side instead of the left side because she had a way of doing that. And, and again, those are inconsequential. I mean, it's not a heaven or hell issue, right? Yeah. But it was just the way that she was able to do that uh, made me, okay, you, you listen. And so it was to build it just to make you a better person. Um, if, uh, well, uh, if you analyze if you it, this. and I, I'd, I'd heard this, uh, this kind of analogy analogy before on on conflict in let's say relationships husband and wife if there's a problem as opposed if you put it on a uh, like a tennis court and you've got the net in the middle you immediately we picture all right here's the battle bet between husband and wife and they said why don't you flip the game and you put the husband and wife on the same side of the net and the problem is on the other side and you guys look at that problem mm -hmm. and i look at, at her admonishment with you and she wasn't saying you shouldn't do this you do she was like here, what if we place over, you know, what you should do or what you could do is this. Yeah. And in that context, I think she, the admonishment worked because she didn't find the fault in you. She looked at the problem yeah. and presented a, a solution. And I think in framing our admonitions towards people, if, if we can word it in a way that, that puts that problem, that flaw, that, that something that's in their way of, of accomplishing what they want or what God wants in their life or what we need as a church community of all of us together that's the problem on the other side of the net not the other yeah, person that, that's a good way to look at it that, that's really good and, and and uh yeah and so maybe part of admonishment is just trying to change your perspective yeah you know to, to see the situation differently than what you're looking now and uh, and that loving hey let's look at it this way and uh you know that that that's really good. And so you have, you have those three. Speak the truth in love, uh, build, e uh, build each other up, um, and spur one another on to good deeds. Um, but this last one, which I've given you a warning at the beginning, <laughs> this last one is a little bit different. Um, and uh, you're probably not going to like it. Okay. 
Um, and so through admonishment, um, then we are to confess our sins to one another. So confess your sins to one another. James uh, chapter 5, verse 16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And that there's spiritual healing in that, but I think in the context of what James is talking about, there's a physical healing. Uh, you know, that, uh, uh, look, you know, confess your sins, and it could have spiritual, emotional, and physical um, repercussions on the positive side. Uh, and so confess your sins, and then he says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And so James, the brother of Jesus, says, confess your sins to each other. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, nope, not going to do it. Um, you can't make me. And I'm not going to do that. And besides that, the Bible says I don't have to confess my sins to anyone but God. And uh, so let me just say, I understand how you feel. To be honest, I feel the same way. But yet we've got a problem. The Bible says, confess your sins to one another. And so if we're going to be people who believe the Bible, then we got to believe the Bible. We either believe it or we don't. We can try to explain it away, but there it is. Confess your sins to one another. And so, you know, and I'm speaking to myself here, too. We, I, as, as I reflected on this this week, I, I thought of all these different things uh, that churches, and especially churches like ours, conservative evangelical churches, all these different things that we want to condemn other people of. And we say, well, they just don't believe the Bible, you know, or they're watering down Scripture. And so we got to be careful about saying stuff like that if we are, when we ourselves, there are parts of Scripture we want to ignore. And, uh, you know, we, we want to uh, water down and we want to explain it away. So, you know, be careful about <laughs> what you say about other people when there are issues that you don't want to confront in the Bible um, as well and by you again I, I mean me I was just kind of I was just thinking about that this week thinking man I'm I'm as guilty as anybody else I, I accuse somebody else of not believing the Bible but then I come across verses like this let us confess our sins to one another and then all of a sudden I want to I want to put that aside and go back to love one another you know love one another is a whole lot easier right yeah. you know but in admonishing each other then there comes this time where we have to confess uh, our sins to one another. Um, and so, you know, here, here's what I think that verse means and doesn't mean. I don't, I don't think that verse means we got to get up in front of the whole church and confess our, you know, confess our sins and, uh, you know, air all of our dirty laundry <laughs> out for everybody uh, and the world to see. So, you know, don't worry. We're not going to have a time at church where it'd be, okay, so take some time at your sharing table. Time, yeah. Sharing time and take some time <laughs> at your table to confess your sins. Yeah. You know, I, no, I, I don't think, I don't think that's what it means, and I don't think that it means we just walk up to people we don't even know, but, quote, we're in church, and we confess our sins, you know. But what I do think that that means um, is that there is a time and a place for people that you are in close relationship with, um, who you know love you, and you love them, and you know that, they, that they're not going to take what you say and run with it and tell everybody uh, that for your sake, your own spiritual sake, um, it helps to have somebody else you can say, hey, this is where I struggle with. This is what I'm dealing with right now in my life. Can you pray for me? You know, and that's probably just a handful of people. I mean, it may only be just two or three people 
But if you don't have those two or three people in your life that you can do that to, uh, then you are missing a vital component to uh, growing in your faith and uh, walking in humility and becoming more like Christ. You know, it could be your spouse, <clears throat> but it could be just a good friend. You know, but somebody who you can say, you know, I got a pastor friend who who calls me periodically, and I know he loves me and all that. And and his question is, you know, how's your soul doing? You know, and if I'm in a hurry, I'm like, oh, I'm doing good. How's yours? But there have been occasions where, where it's like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with right now. Uh, you know, and, and, and can you pray for me? This is this is where. I, and so I love that question. Now, I, I wouldn't love that question from somebody I don't know. <laughs> but that question from somebody who I'm in relationship with and who I know loves me. And they ask me that question. It's like, this is a safe place. Again, this is why this cannot be done without community. You know, you've got to have <clears throat> that one or two, three. And again, it's just a handful of people um, that, you know, even Jesus had 12 disciples. And now that 12, he had four that he was really close to. And then now that four, John, uh, who wrote, you know, first, second, third John and or the gospel of John, first, second, third John and Revelation was probably his closest friend in that group. So even he had that, he had friends, really good friends, and then really, really, really good friends. And at that really, really, really close friendship level, to be able to be honest and vulnerable and authentic and confess your weaknesses and confess your sins and to let people know what you're struggling with because you know that they're going to pray for you and not, you know, not just, you know. I got to pray. Can you pray for Kevin? He told me the other day that he's struggling <laughs> You know, they're not going to do that. They know. And also, they're going to come back and check on you. And say, hey, man, I've been praying about you for this. How's it, you know, how's it going? Were you able to overcome that? You know, hey, call me. If you think about it, I mean, Alcoholics Anonymous does this. You've got to get a mentor. And anytime you're feeling pressure, man, you've got to call that person. And let them know what you're dealing with so they can, you know, talk you off the cliff, so to speak. Well, if that's good for AA, why is it not good for, yeah. <laughs> for all of us? Well, and they have the concept, too, of. There are some things that you don't share with the master. They're, yeah. they're just for a core. Yeah, and just for that core and for, and, or for just your sponsor only. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, so that I think that's more the idea of what it means to confess our sins um, uh, to one another. So, um, again, this is why it cannot be done without community. Uh, and, again, the idea is to be genuine and authentic and to make yourself accountable to somebody else. Uh, we were never meant... To me, one of the biggest um, dangers or one of the biggest mistakes that we've made in Western Christianity is that we have individualized the faith, where it's all about me and my relationship with God. Uh, whereas we come to Christ as individuals, but we are called to live that out in community. Um, and that's more the Hebrew idea anyway. Uh, of uh, it's, not what, it's not my rights that matters, but it's the rights of the whole of the group. Um, and so an individualized faith becomes a privatized faith where you don't want to share your, your, your struggles. And so you go to church and put on a happy face um, instead of being real and authentic and genuine with your, uh, with your struggles. Yeah. Um, again, you can't do that in a large group, but in that close group of community uh, is, is where it should be done. So anyway, those are the applications before we look at what uh, people said on Facebook. Yeah. Any comments or just a couple thoughts. I mean, one was, <clears throat> you know, the last few years I've uh, read a, a lot of Brene Brown, which 
if anybody hasn't, I, I would recommend it. She's done some massive studies on vulnerability and the, the benefits of being vulnerable. And what you're talking about here is, is that is, is God intended us to be vulnerable with, with each other in the confession of sins and, yeah. and as we work together there. So, I mean, there's, there's a few books that you can look up there, but I know just personally that has, has blown my mind on, oh, yeah, there is, there's actually real strength in that vulnerability. It's not a weakness. It's, it is a strength. Um, and then the other thought was just, and I don't, I don't think this necessarily applies all the time, but there's, there's a, a phrase of you spot it, you got it. And I think there are times where if you feel uh, compelled to admonish somebody or you notice something, you notice a fault in somebody else, mm -hmm. from personal experience, I, I usually can spot it because I got it or I've been through it or there's some level of connection there. And, and, and I have to think at times that there is almost a design in if, if, if God is showing you something in somebody else, Either you're going through it currently or you've been through it and you could be of help to that person. And so that difficult conversation you could have in admonishing them is actually a, a blessing, a benefit. Mm -hmm. And you should pursue it, even though it's uncomfortable for probably both of you. Um, but I'm, I've really loved how in this sermon you brought out the, the positive nature of admonishment. That it's not just a woe to you. It's a no, woe. We, we got to we got to fix this. We got to work together because for our, our collective good, we all need to be as healthy. And if somebody is less than healthy in that moment, we got to reach in and, and help. So, yeah, well, yeah, again, I feel the same way as far as, as I go over these every week. I'm thinking, man, I needed this. Yeah. In my own life, I needed this. I needed this reminder uh, from that. <clears throat> um, but anyway, so by, by way of review, um, to admonish means to correct and teach, offering a better way forward and a better path to follow. So that's the one sentence, uh, you know. Uh, biblical admonishment can only happen in biblical community. Um, and then the, the goals of admonishment are to speak the truth in love, spur one another on toward love and good deeds, build each other up, and confess your sins to one another. Um, so let's put our words into actions um, just like I've done every week I got on Facebook and said hey this is my topic <clears throat> so what are some practical ways we can admonish one another and uh, I think people really struggle with this because it's like practical I mean they you, you know you said that really difficult it's like yeah. well you know buy groceries and deliver them no, no that's not <laughs> you know that's <laughs> practical on the other ones but how do we how do we admonish and uh, I so think this is something <clears throat> you have to sit in longer too yeah, than, I think than so. Than just a delivery, a single act. It's it's a long-term it. process. Yeah, and it's really fair for me to. It's really unfair for me to ask those questions and not put it in the context <laughs> of what I'm saying in the sure. sermon. You're sitting at your computer board, and all of a sudden you get a Facebook post from from Kevin that says, "Hey, how do we admonish each other?" And you're like, <laughs> "I'm going to Facebook admonish all my friends today." <laughs> <laughs> all right, but anyway, here I had some good suggestions, and so let, let me read them. Um, one person said, regularly admonish others and yourself to actually love your enemies and to actually pray for your persecutors. And, uh, and so the key word there is actually, <laughs> to actually do this. Um, I thought that was good. Another person said, before admonishing someone, ask yourself the following questions. And so here are seven questions this person said, and I think they're really good. Yeah. Before <clears throat> we take that step, here's some questions to ask ourselves. Do I have a relationship with the individual? If you don't, then just stop right there. It's not your business. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have I made a deposit of love in that relationship? 
um, do I care more about this relationship than, I, than what I want to impart? What's my true motive, as in if it's more about me or, or my knowledge or what I possess, you know, what's my motive? Will this move my relationship deeper with the individual at this time? Where is the individual in life at this time? You know, being sensitive, where are they at? You know, <clears throat> and do I see the individual as a person made in the image of God? Uh, so those are good questions. And basically, if you answer no to any of those questions, it's like you need to be a little hesitant before you move forward. Um, <clears throat> admonish people that being right is not as important as maintaining a good relationship with friends and family. And I like that one. I might even like it because I said it a few times. So. Somebody else said it, you know. <clears throat> it's not about being right or wrong. It's about the relationship. Yeah. Any more words before our prayer? No, I mean, just to, just to couple that with the statement from earlier in the sermon of love can look different, though. So what that good relationship may be means you might have to work some things out. You might have to say some difficult, uncomfortable things. Um, but as long as you're willing to uh, put that relationship first and go, no, this is for the benefit of our relationship, for the person, for our community. I think, I think it's all positive. Well, not all positives. There's, you know, there's conflict and you know, that is, is uncomfortable, but yeah. Well, here's our prayer of commitment. And I, and I wrote this prayer <clears throat> and I'm not committing myself to doing this from henceforth forever. But uh, as I wrote this prayer, it was, it was, it was good for me. And I thought, man, this is, I should have been writing prayers all along to kind of wrap up a sermon because then the prayer is directly related to the sermon. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so here's, here's our prayer of commitment. Lord, we confess we don't like to be wrong, uh, to admit our faults, and to confess our sins. Forgive us of our pride. Lord, we confess we don't like for other people to point out our wrong or to criticize our faults or to confront us about our sins. Forgive us of our pride. Lord, we confess it is far easier to admonish than it is to be admonished. And forgive us of our pride. Help us, Lord, to speak the truth in love and to receive the truth with grace. To spur each other on in love and good deeds instead of criticizing and condemning. To build each other up with our words of admonition and as, instead of tearing one another down with our words of condensation. And Lord, teach us how to be accountable to one another. Give us the courage to confess our sins to each other so that we can be healed. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who showed us what true admonition looks like by dying on the cross for our sins. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Join the conversation online at floodsofjustice.com or find the Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs on Twitter at Riggs underscore Kevin.